Hey, you want to go to war? You want a war? You're going to get one. Are you looking for a reminder of your fantasy football greatness? Are you looking for something to set your league apart from those dime a dozen jabroni leagues out there? Then head over to trophysmack.com and hook your league up with the best trophies in the game today. And not only will you get the best trophies in the game today, you can get a free championship ring up to a $59.99 value by entering in the promo code DWZ ring. You pick out your trophy, which one do you like? You put it in the cart, you add the ring to the cart, you add the promo code DWZ ring, makes the ring free, and your league is now a step above the league down the street. So if you're looking for the best, you want to be the best in the game, you want to have the best league in town, go over to trophysmack.com, get that trophy, get that ring, use that code DWZ ring, and let's have a big season. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday, and welcome to the Dynasty War Zone, the People's Dynasty Podcast. And we're right back at it. Super Bowl in our rear view. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll jump into that in just a minute. But this week's topic, rookies, rookies, and more rookies. We've got the Combine a month away. We're about 10 days post-Senior Bowl. But before I get into all that... Let me talk about our Patreon. The Patreon Live is going crazy, and we're building awesome Dynasty rosters over there. So if you're interested, you want to get in the group chat, you want to get the extra podcast a week, you want us to help you build a good Dynasty roster, hey man, we'd love to talk to you. Join us at patreon.com forward slash Dynasty Warzone, and a lot going on over there as well. Uh, Last thing, we have uh, now officially 100 five-star reviews. Thanks to you fine people, I will be announcing the two people that I want to get in contact with me next week on next week's show. So if you are one of them kind-hearted bitches that put in a review for this show, got something very special for you next week. I will be looking for your email address and your DMs. You can find the show on social media at Dynasty Warzone on both Instagram and Twitter. So tonight, I am without the man of the hour and the man with the power. Jerry Sinclair has got the night off, but I'm not alone. Welcome back to the show, Mr. Shane P. Hallam. And for those that don't know, Shane is the fantasy football, the draft, and college football analyst, as well as the Devi analyst for the fakepigskin.com. Welcome back to the show, my buddy, Mr. Shane Hallam. What's going on, Shane? Hey, I'm happy to be back, Randy. It's always fun to talk talk you know, it's draft season. It's fun to talk about these these rookies coming in and these draft prospects. And uh, it's my favorite time of the year. I, I love when the Super Bowl's over and then everyone just shifts. No matter what team you're on, no matter what team you root for, what team you're on, you're shifting over to the draft. So it's fun for fantasy. It's fun for real football. It's something I feel like everyone kind of gets together and enjoys. So I'm, I'm here for the next couple months. Yeah, but a lot of these guys you've known since high school. So for those that don't know, I've spent the better part of – I don't know, a couple of years in a group chat with, with Shane. And, and Shane literally is tweeting and talking about guys who have most recently wrapped up their senior year of high school and getting ready to report to college. These guys that we'll talk about tonight, whether it be, I don't know, T. Higgins or Justin Herbert, you've known uh, about these and watched these guys for the last four or five years. Is that correct? 
Absolutely. And that's, that's kind of the fun because you, you get to, you know, watch these players, um, you know, and usually in high school, a lot of times you're not getting full games. So it's highlight tape. It's, it's some of the all American games and getting to watch these players try to make kind of predictions of, of who's going to get in the NFL. That's why I love Debbie uh, dynasty football and being able to draft guys really young. And so I'm in a number of leagues where, where I've drafted sophomores in high school for uh, for fantasy football purposes, and uh, you know, some of them look like they might work out pretty well, and some of them we're we'll never hear from again. But there's there's a, uh, definitely a lot of these players that came in as decently, you know, high prospects, um, or at least for, you're going to these big teams. You're going to end up watching a little bit of them. So you know, I've I've seen the the J.K. Dobbins play in senior year, Jonathan Taylor, you know, those guys, and uh, to me that's exciting to see some of these players have developed. You're like, hey, this guy's going to be really good, and then they are, and and uh, so sometimes it's the best feeling when you've actually drafted a player in high school and actually get to play him in an NFL fantasy game. Who we drafting guys as sophomores in high school? I'm still getting used to as a newer ish Debbie player drafting guys who are sophomores in college. But before we get into all that, want to hit a little bit of news. Obviously, the Super Bowl just ended. the The Chiefs are champions of the world. Congratulations to them. So I'm going to hit you right off the spot, uh, hit you in the blind spot. What are you doing with Damian Williams? You using this as a springboard to sell? You buying? You holding? What are you doing in Dynasty with with Damian Williams now that he's a uh, Super Bowl champion? Look, I, I I sold him before this year. I, I sold him in the league for for a 2021st. Actually, ended up becoming the 103. So I'm really happy with that. And if it's this year, I'll I'll sell him right now. <laughs> I mean, he's look. I, I don't. I think Damian Williams is good. You know, watch the Super Bowl and uh, breaking tackles. You know, he played really really well, and he got hurt this season. You know, um, and I still don't feel like he's a super dynamic running back. He's going to be someone that will be upgraded. Maybe it's not next year. Now, maybe it's in a year. But you got to trade a guy while he's hot. I. The, the, the dynasty sing, right? I'd rather trade a guy a year too early than a year too late. And I'm happy if I traded Damian Williams two years early. That's fine with me. So I would move him. If you can get, you know, a first round pick in this upcoming draft, if you can get a 2021 pick, you know, I'd, I'd make it happen. And there's a good chance that the Chiefs will draft a running back in the first four rounds. And you have someone that's going to compete for carries. So even if you kept Damian Williams, he's not going to be a very good fantasy player for you. That chance is out there. And uh, long-term, I still don't think he's going to be the starter for the next four years for them. So get, get a while it's hot. And then I would sell him pretty hard. I was advocating the selling of him last year. And we had a great debate between him and the 110 in 2019. I, I just see a guy who's going to be 28 years old in April you know, that's past the age apex of a running back. He's not the healthiest guy around. He's not the biggest guy around. I think when he plays, he's really good. I just don't look at Damian Williams and don't have it screamed back. This guy's a bell cow. This guy's Zeke Elliott. Looked great in the Super Bowl. I would use this as the opportunity to sell, especially in a super flex. And and I do wanted to note before I go into the next couple of topics from the from the Super Bowl is that when I talk drafts, I mean, I can't speak for you guys, but we said this on the Patreon. For me, I'm a super flex guy. I'm a super flex tight end premium. I'm hanging out with Shane. Sometimes he tries to roll me into a ginormous IDP Devi league. You never know. You never know. But but assume more often than not, I'm talking 
super flex in, in most of my drafts. So that that was an interesting one. What about Raheem Mostert? We'll keep this uh, this talk in Dynasty to Damian Williams and Raheem Mostert. What are you doing with Raheem Mostert? Still had a, a decent game. I think he had like 14 rushes for around 60-ish yards. Still looks pretty good in that in that run scheme. What do you see? What do you see the the Niners doing with their backfield? I I think he's a sell as well. Um, and I, even after that big game in the NFC Championship game, it seemed like people were still. You know, I had a couple teams try to sell him, and teams were kind of lukewarm on on buying him. You know, this might be an ideal time now that people kind of feel like, ah, oh, maybe I can get him a little cheaper. What's the deal as things? Except the 49ers, we already know they use a committee. You know, who 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 started the game it was Tevin Coleman. I think that's going to happen next year. Honestly, Raheem Mostert, are you going to be able to confidently start him in fantasy football? You know, in a flex position. Uh, every week. I don't think you are. I don't think you're going to know necessarily what they're going to do, even even if this backfield stays exactly the same. And once again, I think they could bring in someone that could compete or at least be kind of the third head in that cog. So, you know, I think Jarek McKinnon's probably out. Uh, he never even got to play and he got a huge contract. And, you know, they, they might bring in someone similar to that to be, you know, um, kind of with Tevin Coleman to catch passes and try to use Monster. I, I, just, I just think if you can get, you know, a, a decent pick, I think even the top of the second round, I would consider it in the super flex because I, I, I love this. I really like this running back class. I think you're going to have some really good deep players to the top of the second round. And you, you might be able to pick up a guy in a really good situation in that, in that position. Monster. I just don't think you're ever going to be confident starting him and feel like uh, he's going to be 100 yards every week. He's going to score a touchdown every week. I just don't think it's going to happen. I agree with you. The only saving grace these two guys have is that San Francisco only has six picks. Now, there'll be some compensatory picks and stuff stuff like that after free agency, and Kansas City only has five. So between the two of them, they don't have a ton of draft picks, and both of them have around $20 million in cap space. So I know they've got some free agents to sign. So that's your only saving grace. I would much rather gamble on these guys in a redraft league, or I know the FFPC has got best balls fired up right now. That's the kind of gamble I would take on Damian Williams and Raheem Mostert is that that one year, one and done. But I would much rather get a younger asset. So Shane, I'm going to hit you with the question. We've been asking a lot of the Devi and, and rookie specialists the last couple of weeks. Guys like Chuba Hubbard, Najee Harris, Devonta Smith from Alabama, a lot of these guys went back to school. Now, you are a guy, and you, you are a thing of legend here in the Dynasty Wars, and about all those first-round picks you have in the two-legit league. You know, do you feel like those picks are worth as much today as they were in the offseason when everybody was hoarding them, much like yourself? I, I, I think they are. Uh, I still think this is a really good class. Uh, I think... You know, look, I I know that we we, we kind of overhype every class. I, I do the same thing. I'm as guilty as anyone. But you have to go in knowing that, hey, there's going to be a couple guys that go back to school that you have really high. Like, I think we knew we kind of knew that coming in. That I think it was going to be, you know, Travis Etienne. I did not. But that's going to happen. And so I, I kind of expected Trevor Hubbard to go back to school. I expected Devonta um, to go back to school. So to me, that's fine. Uh, I think this class is still really good. I still think as a whole, 2020 is that stud class. I, I think it's, it's really deep. You have really great guys at the top, at running back, at wide receiver, at quarterback. And I think you have the depth on both of those positions 
that you're going to find productive players later in your draft. So I still think the investments that you made and kind of the premium that some people, including myself, as you know, paid for some of these picks, I'm still really happy with my choices. You know, I think 2021 is decent. Um, I think the wide receiver class is really good. And I think the tight end class has has a, uh, some spark to it too, if you're in kind of a tight end premium or two tight end league. But, you know, past that, uh, we have a couple of those running backs that went back to school. That'll be good. You know, I think running backs weak, uh, much weaker than 2020. I think quarterbacks weaker than, than 2020. I still think 2020 is kind of the premium. And it might be one of the, the deepest wide receiver classes that I've, I've graded. And the running backs are pretty outstanding, especially the top 10 to 15. So I'm really happy with it still. Well, that, that, that is really good. Good to hear. And that, that's been the consensus answer. So now that I've got enough takes on that, I think we'll stop asking that question. Now, before we get into the Senior Bowl and talk about some of the guys from, from there, now last year's wide receiver class was not heralded as a great class, at least not initially. But then we had guys like DK Metcalf breakout, my man Terry McLaren, AJ Brown, Debo Samuel. I think this 2020 class, I think there's more talent coming out of college, but they've got a lot of work to do to equal what was done with last year's class. Would you agree with that statement? Uh, absolutely. I, I think last year's class did better than I expected. And, and I think you and I liked a lot of the same players. We both liked Terry McLaurin. I mean, I mean, you probably more than I did in Debo. And, you know, I, I wasn't high on Metcalf, but he definitely proved himself. You know, so I, I think I think maybe they overperformed what they could do. My guess is the 2020 class maybe even will underperform what they can do a little bit. That's usually what happens when you have a class that's fairly stacked. But that might kind of line up in terms of production. I think we might see similar production from 2020 in this class that we saw from 2019. But we're going to kind of expect it, I think, a little bit more. Sometimes so sometimes you can kind of get some more production, but you don't feel like it. Because I, I think we're going to see like CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy come out, and we're going to feel like these guys are going to be top 10, you know, top 15 receivers. And it's just not going to happen as a rookie. And so I think expectations might end up a little high for this class. So at the end of the year, it might be like, oh, that's a little disappointing. When you look at the stats, it actually wasn't that disappointing. Um, so that's kind of my guess. But a lot depends on where you end up, right? I mean, if if Marcus Mariota never gets benched, are we talking about A.J. Brown, you know? So I, I think sometimes the situations help, too. If, thing, if things kind of end up in the right way for these players to get the opportunity to have a quarterback that gets them, then I, that's when you see more production. I, I love it. I, I think those are all great answers. So I, I want to jump into this class. Enough about last year. Let, let's get into this. I want to start with the quarterbacks. Now, if you listened to last Monday's Patreon, and, and some of you did and some of you did not, you know that I have become a fan of the more mobile athletic quarterback. Now, I don't think you have to be Lamar Jackson to be successful, but I, I think the 2020 NFL quarterback has to have some mobility. If you look back at the 12 QBs that made the NFL draft this year, the guys who are basically the statues back that back in the pocket that just stand there and, and look for the, the routes to develop and chuck the ball, Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins, and Drew Brees, I mean, all three of those guys were one and done. In, in the play, Excuse me, actually, Minnesota was not. Minnesota beat New Orleans. But, but you see my point. The three guys who basically stood back there and aren't as mobile – they're not as good. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes was just mobile enough. He averaged about 45 yards per playoff game rushing, which was pretty awesome to see if you, you played him in any fantasy leagues. Do, do you buy into that theory 
Shane, that, that the modern quarterback has got to have a little wiggle, a little run to his game. It, it just seems like a necessity. I think I think 90% of the time, I think that is the case now. And, and I think a lot of it, too, is just the quarterbacks changing at the lower levels, right? If, if you're playing high school ball, you're going to put your best athlete at quarterback. You, you know, that's probably going to be your best player. You're going to teach him how to throw the ball. He's going to use that athleticism. I think we're starting to see that kind of come up where, you know, if you can't run, you're not playing QB. Uh, so I think that's what's kind of changing. And the NFL, man, these pass rushers are so – I mean, you, you look at look at the, the Bosa brothers. You look at some of these pass rushers. I mean, they get there quick. You better be able to move out of the way or, you're, you know, you're going to get crushed, especially if you have a bad offensive line. So unless you have the talent of a Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, uh, I think you need that mobility. And I think looking at the 2020 class, like, most of them have it that are going to get drafted, at least can move around a little bit. Uh, they don't have to, like you said, they don't have to be Lamar Jackson, but you have to be able to pick up a five-yard run for a first down when you need it. You have to be able to, to do a bootleg and get out quickly to get your eyes up down the field. And, um, you know, this class, I think, is more athletic. I think some of these players are more athletic than they'll even get credit for because people want the, the Lamar Jacksons and um, you know Josh Allen, some players like that. No, I agree, and, and you nailed it. Hear what Shane and I are saying. We're not saying that, you know, even guys like Ryan Tannehill can move a little bit. I mean, remember, his big injury was an ACL that he hurt in training camp as he was running the, the football. Carson he played Wentz. receiver in college, you know. So, yeah. C Carson Wentz can move a little bit. You know, Russell Wilson is a – I think we forget sometimes because he's – become such a great pocket passer but that dude can still get out there and scoot so because of that that's why I like Justin Herbert and that's the first quarterback I'm gonna throw to you uh, I had this conversation with Tyler Gunther and Bobby Koch uh, in, in a group chat this week I, I just am enamored with this kid and we came to the the consensus that he will be around the 106 in a super flex now you're a guy I think you've got eight first or something like that if I remember correctly <laughs> Uh, where would you consider taking Justin Herbert in a Superflex? Honestly, I think the consideration at the 103 is is po very possible to me for Justin Herbert. You know, I think after Burrow and, and Tua, de depending on that medical, you know, I, th I think the 103 is possible. If he ends up in a, in a good spot with a team that fits his skill set and talent well, I think he's going to succeed. I, I look at a guy like Josh Allen, a guy I did not like as a prospect almost at all right uh, most people didn't he was very divisive and he's in buffalo they have built that offense around him to utilize his talents and he's playing really well is he the best quarterback in the nfl no is he a top five quarterback in the nfl no but you don't have to be to be productive and to go to the playoffs and to compete and i think that's what justin herbert can do you know if he ends up in a, in a place like tampa bay you know i think bruce arian's offense is perfect for Justin Herbert. I think, I think it's ideal for him where he can use his accuracy. He can use some of that ability to, to move around uh, in the pocket and he's allowed to kind of um, sling, sling it up and let his receivers do a lot of the work. I think that, I think that's ideal for him. I think if he is, if he has to play in a very timing based, you know, you know, quick offense, like I think there could be some struggles there. So, but I, I like, I really like him. I'm, I'm probably not as enamored with him as you are, but uh, I see a guy that should start in the NFL that should be productive, that can throw a lot of touchdowns and that 
is going to be good enough to lead a team to the playoffs and maybe a Super Bowl. And so to me, in a super flex, I mean, that, I mean that's, that's worth more than any running back or receiver. You know, the reason why I'm so high on him and, and I'm prepping the Dynasty Warzone listener by bringing on guys like you, like, you know, Kane, like Nick Whalen, et cetera, is, is because I really think that this kid is not falling any further than number seven with Carolina. Uh, I think Cam's all out the door there. They brought in Joe Brady from National Championship LSU. Uh, they got a, a an offensive-minded head coach. Got great weapons there in Carolina with Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, now Ian Thomas. They're going to move toward the future. And I just see an opportunity there with great weapons, or maybe he goes to the L.A. Chargers. So I, I, I like the fact that he could wind up in a very good spot. That's part of the reason why I'm so high on him. I want to move to another guy that I'm intrigued by because he continues to get talked about to my Colts, and that's Jordan Love. Now, you, you may be the most qualified to date to talk about this guy because you probably saw him as like an eighth grader running around uh, throwing footballs. Uh, Jordan Love, what do you see? Good friend of the show, Garrett Price last week, called him Walmart version Patrick Mahomes. Like it's not as good as actually Patrick Mahomes, but in a pinch, it could be Patrick Mahomes. Can, can can I call him like a thrift store Patrick Mahomes? Is that like is that worse? Can I can I do that? Like I like dollar I, I see, store like dollar do, store like dollar store like I found him in the dumpster and he kind of looks like Patrick Mahomes. Is is that work? Like like I I think Jordan Love. I, I see I see why that connection is made because like Patrick Mahomes, you have a player with athletic ability. You have a player with a really sharp arm that throws a ball with high velocity that gets to its target quickly. But I, I think he's like 10 times dumber in terms of football IQ than Patrick Mahomes ever was at Texas Tech. I mean, you know, it's one thing to make in all these quarterbacks, right? You make a bad throw. We saw Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl make a terrible interception. You throw a terrible interception. Jordan Love does that often, once a drive. And a lot of the time, I think it's it's a lack of field vision. Like I don't think he can see his players get open. You know, he kind of, he's one of those guys that throws the ball to where his player is, not where his player is going to be. And if you go back and watch him, you know, as a junior, I think you see that work. You know, the offense kind of worked for that. He had weapons that understood how he played and worked to that to that advantage. And then as a senior. And a lot of the, especially the games against tougher defenses, defenses read him like a book and he never could change. Um, so, you know, I think it's going to take a lot of work to get him where he needs to be to be a successful NFL quarterback. I'm not saying that he can't because I think he has those physical qualities. But to me, I would much rather have someone that's a little sharper mentally and lacks, you know, I think Joe Burrow, you know, is, is that player that's super sharp mentally and where to place the ball and how to throw the ball. He doesn't have the the strongest arm or throw with the most velocity, and it's fine. It, it's not going to hurt you. Um, whereas I think Jordan Love, the, the mental inefficiencies is going to hurt him. So uh, the one thing with this is it can be improved. You know, it, it's not uh, it's not like that's set in stone. If you get a really good coach or a really good group of coaches, but I, I, there's not many I would trust with him. I'll say that. So your answer is much like much like Garrett's in that Garrett said that if in five years he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, he wouldn't be shocked. And that if he completely flamed out 
in the next five years, he wouldn't be shocked. This is like a true coin flip type player. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I think it's fair. I definitely lean if I'm if I'm gonna push all my chips in the middle that he's gonna be, you know, he's gonna be a backup in in five years, and and we're not gonna hear much about him. But I, it, it wouldn't surprise me if someone gets a hold of him and can really mold him to see the field and throw the ball where he needs to throw it. I mean, the sky is the limit. It, it, there's high upside, and that's why everyone's mocking him in the first round, whether he goes there or not. You know, he's probably he's gonna be a top fifty pick because. Teams need quarterbacks, and here's one that could be a star. Like, are you really going to pass that up? It, it, it reminds me a lot of the Drew Locke talk from last year. Very, very debatable, very divisive. I will just say this. Any quarterback for me, and I'm just talking from a dynasty standpoint and a super flex draft, any quarterback that gets a first round or an early second round draft capital assigned to them, I'm interested in. Because why do teams draft the quarterbacks in the first round? So they have that fifth-year option. And then worst-case scenario, you can hit it with a franchise tag. So you can control the first six years of their career. That's why I would be interested. I'm not ready to put a super flex grade uh, where I would take him because, it, for me, it's very landing spot dependent. If he winds up going to the Colts with Frank Reich and now former Eagles offensive coordinator, I believe it's Matt Grohl, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, He's now joined the Colts staff. I would be, I would be intrigued, but if he winds up in a place like Jacksonville at nine, I'm, I'm, it's a no for me. I'm just move on. So he'll he'll be very divisive as we go down the stretch. Looking forward to seeing more of how this develops. Now, now let's get into the running backs. There's not a lot to cover with Tua and Burrow. We like both of those guys a lot, and I think regardless of landing spot, they're your one and two in a super flex. But let's let's break a tie. Let's break a tie there. I'm gonna use Shane to break a tie. Are you a Dobbins guy, a Taylor guy, or a DeAndre Swift guy? Because I, I keep seeing a lot of back and forth. I, I, I'm a staunch Taylor guy right here. So uh, Jonathan Taylor is my number one running back. And, you know, to me, it, 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 it is that he, I think he is the safest player. Like, I love all three. Uh, there, there are leagues where I'm going to draft all three. Uh, as with, with rookie picks. And to me, Taylor has been insanely productive for two years, you know, his, his whole career, just about at Wisconsin. He has been on a team that doesn't throw the ball super well. You know he's running. He's had a good offensive line. But that type of production is rare. And a, a lot of the advanced analytics that when you have that type of production, you have two seasons over 2,000 yards you're going to be a successful running back in the NFL. I think the workload stuff is is a little bit overblown. I'm not drafting a running back in Dynasty to be my starter for 10 years. It doesn't happen. It never happens. You know, unless you're Adrian Peterson, it's just not going to happen. So uh, I'm happy if I get five really good years out of Jonathan Taylor, and I think that's almost guaranteed. I, I think Dobbins is really good. I think he's probably the other – you know, safer pick. And I have Swift. Swift's my number two because I think the upside's there. But uh, the other thing with Taylor as well is he's fast. And I, I don't think anyone gives him credit for it. He was, he was a, a track star in high school. He, he's if, if he prepares well for the combine, I expect him to be among the top five fastest running backs in this class or close to it, I don't, you know, depending on how some of the, the – lower rated guys do. Um, so, you know, I think he can be in the four threes or he can be in a four, four flat. And I, I think, I think people are going to switch real hard when, when the combine happens to him. 
it, it's possible he'd like Dalvin cooks it and it's almost better for me because I'll be buying them at, at a, a cheaper price. I, I like it. Now, would you say all three of these guys are close enough that if one lands in a really good landing spot, like I think we all agree that Kansas City would be a fantastic landing spot, Tampa Bay, another fantastic landing spot, would would that be enough to bump one ahead of the other if they landed in more of a, a murky or an uglier type landing spot? Like I'll just throw out there with the New York Jets behind Le'Veon Bell on that big contract. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I don't think you can, and, and I always hate this, you know, people kind of have their, and I, I, you know, I do it too. Like I, things I hate, I always do too, but you know, that you kind of have your guy and like, this is going to be my guy no matter what. And talent will win out if you're really good, but especially for a running back, I mean, situation is everything. If, if Taylor ends up in New York and Dobbins gets drafted by, you know, the Buccaneers, absolutely. I'm making that switch and, and I'll take Dobbins ahead of him, you know? So you, look, you have to make play, put that into account. I think as well, draft capital uh, as you talked about with the quarterbacks, it's not as big of a deal with running backs for sure. But, you know, if, if DeAndre Swift goes in the fifth round for God knows whatever reason, you have to look at that. You, you can't say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm drafting this guy at the, at the 101 if, if for some reason six running backs go before him and we were like, what the hell are teams thinking? It's definitely happened before, right? We see it every year with someone. So I, I think that's the other thing too. If one of these guys drops really far, and, you know, and, and we're kind of surprised. I think you have to evaluate that and say, not necessarily knock them down, you know, two rounds in, in your, your rookie draft. But I think you have to look at that and say, mm, maybe, maybe there's an adjustment here. Maybe there's a player I'll move ahead of them. And y- y- you can trust your evaluation to an extent. But at the same time, the NFL teams don't care about your evaluation. You know, if the guy never gets a chance to be a starter, he's, he's never going to be productive for you in fantasy. I like that a lot. So one guy we have not talked about a lot yet on the Dynasty War Zone is Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Now, this guy's bio has him listed as 5'8 and 2'10. Now, I think 5'8's a little generous because he looks a little bit more like about a 5'6. And I think 2'10's a little bit generous. He looks like about 225. He looks like, for those of you that are old baseball fans, he looks like Kirby Puckett. He looks like a young Maurice Jones Drew. He looks like a wrecking ball with feet. What, what do you got on Mr. Uh, Edwards Hilaire? He, he's my number four running back in this class. I, you, you watched him this year. You know, I, I drafted him in college fantasy football, actually, this season and had, had a great time having him as, as one of my top. It ended up being my top running back. You know, he, Maurice Jones Drew is, um, is a great comparison because – you know, he can catch the football and run with it. And then he's going to punish you uh, and he's willing to punish you. You know, that's what I love uh, about him is that toughness and that, you know, he hilarious was one of those players too, that can kind of do both, which I think is rare to see. You know, you see a guy like JK Dobbins, who I think has a little bit more of that elusiveness to him. If you catch him in the open field, he's going to use his feet to make you miss. And, and I've seen Hilaire, you know, truck guys often and want to do that. And I've also seen him, you know, kind of stop on a dime, make guys miss, use his feet to, um, to get extra yardage. And so I think when you have a player that's kind of two way like that, 
even if one thing fails you in the NFL, you can go back to the other one. So I've moved him up. I just feel safer with him as a player than, you know, a Cam Akers or in, a, in, in you know, Benjamin. And I think that um, I think he's going to be really good. Once again, if he goes to the right situation, he's kind of the guy I want to go to the Chiefs because I think he's a player that would fit that offense really well, that can catch passes, that is, is such good football IQ. You know, I think he would be so dangerous in a team that already has weapons around that um, he's, he would score a lot. I absolutely dig that a bunch. I mean, 55 receptions in his junior year is nothing to sneeze at. I love, I love a good reception profile out of a running back coming out of college. It's, it's the lifeblood of, you know, that flex, that RB2, RB3 flex value that you get on your actual dynasty roster or your fantasy roster. It's, it can save a week. And that's what you don't get out of a lot of those just two down thumpers. So I want to hit you with one more guy, and then I want to transition to some seniors at the running back position. Cam Akers. Man, I've, I've heard everything from this guy's been the, the victim of bad luck, bad team, bad teammates, bad offense. Uh, he's a freak athlete. There's the video of him going around on Twitter squatting 600. I'm not sure that he got to depth. And uh, it looked like a, a very generous spot. But hey, 600 pounds across your back is still 600 pounds across your back. So good for him. Uh, what do you? What What is your opinion on Cam? Because as I'm doing this, I like sometimes I see it, and sometimes I'm just like I don't see it. I think that that is the, the nature of Cam Akers is that sometimes he really has it and you're looking at uh, a player that has the, the physical ability, you know, of, uh, of some of the top backs to ever grace the NFL, you know, um, so sometimes you'll, you'll watch him and I'm just like, how is this guy not the next Adrian Peterson? How's this guy not, you know, going to be the next stud. And then when he goes up against the team, uh, a defense that overmatches the offensive line and, you know, Clemson, for example, he, he wilts, he can't break a tackle. Uh, he, he looks slow. Uh, he doesn't look explosive. It's, it seems like every week kind of have gotten a different cam acres. And it's crazy to me because I felt like his freshman year, almost every week you got the explosive cam acres, even the games where he didn't play well, you know, statistically, uh, you saw the juice, right? Sometimes you can still see that, even if it's like, oh, this guy averaged three yards a carry. You know, he still has it. And then last year, uh, in you know, 2018, I thought every game he played terribly. <laughs> you know, it was it was the bad cam makers, and and he looked like, oh no, this is not the right player. Is he gonna bounce back? And I think I feel like 2019, we got some games where he just took over the game. You know, I look at the game against Syracuse, where he had four touchdowns and, and um, no one no one could tackle him. And, and Syracuse wasn't, a t- you know, a, a terrible, terrible defense. But then when he went up against, when he went up against Clemson, when he went up against, you know, NC State, teams like that, I, I felt like they were getting the better of him and he was, he looked slow. So I, I don't know, you know, I have him as my number five. And to me, I think he is going to be the most, Situation dependent and draft capital dependent rookie uh, out of any position to me, because if he goes somewhere where I feel like eh, he's not going to get a chance, he's not going to be successful. I'm probably going to shy away, move guys above him. If he if he ends up falling to the fifth, sixth round, and teams don't like him, and I got to say, maybe 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 they know which is the real Cam Akers, right? And I'll move him down. But if he goes high, you know, then uh, then I'll feel like. This is a player that can do it. If he goes to a good situation, I feel like he can win a job. 
I think it can happen. I'm, ex- you know, the combine I think is going to be big because he is supposed to be a physical freak, and so he's got to come out there and show it. Because if he doesn't, I think that may maybe the concerns are more in the head than in the athleticism. Then, if there's some problems in this off season too. I, this is the one guy I cannot wait to see compete here in Indy. I think me and some guys are going to meet up, obviously Indy being my hometown. I'm going to use it as a cheap excuse to go down the combine and, and check some of these guys out in person. All right, well, I'm going to hit you with one more running back-related question, then we'll transition to some pass catchers. So about one running back a year the last four years. Now, I'm not counting 2019 because it was it was not good. But in 2018, Rashad Penny had a – you know, he was a senior bowl running back participant. In 2017, it was Kareem Hunt. Uh, 2016, it was Kenyon Drake. And then in 2015, it was David Johnson. So out of these three guys, which one of those, which one of these three guys is most likely to have a fantasy-relevant career for both Dynasty or maybe even Redraft? Now, obviously, Kareem Hunt was an RB1 before he went all Antonio Brown on us and went nuts. And we'll see what happens with his offseason as a restricted free agent. But of these three guys, Josh Kelly, LaMichael Pirine, and Keyshawn Vaughn, which one of these guys is most likely to have that surprising career arc of, say, a David Johnson or a, or a Kareem Hunt? To, to me, that's a really easy question. I think that Keyshawn Vaughn is heads and tails um, better than those guys. He, I have him as my RB6, and I know – that, you know, Joshua Kelly and P. Ryan had some nice moments at the Senior Bowl. Uh, you know, they're not bad players, but it's a tough class, I think, to move up. I, I think Keyshawn Vaughn, you know, watching him as a junior, you know, I feel like you saw this guy as, have that toughness, be able to lower his body, get through the hole, great field vision. And then, you know, as a senior, he, he didn't quite have the publicity. I mean, uh, Vanderbilt wasn't as good, but he was still – he's still doing work. He's still carrying that offense in a lot of these situations. You know, this is a passing game for Vanderbilt that took a step back and Keyshawn Vaughn is kind of on his shoulders. And he, you know, he, he go watch the game against LSU, right? One of the best defenses in the country and Keyshawn Vaughn tears them apart. He finds the small holes. He abuses those small holes, LSU defenders, guys that are going to go in the first round or this year or next year, had trouble tackling him, uh, were scared of him, that he was just going to run him over. And when you're playing against NFL-type players, you know, and I, I saw that, when I saw that game, I said, this guy's legitimate. He's going to have a role in the NFL. I don't know if he's going to be a three-down back, you know, or anything like that. But to, to me, you know, I think he's going to do it. I think he's a better pass catcher than a lot of people give him credit for. He had 28 catches this year uh, on a team that couldn't pass the ball worth a lick most games. You know, and he had his games where he struggled. Uh, the Florida game, he there were there were no holes, and there was nothing he could do. Um, and it was one of those games that you never want to just just throw away. But at the same time, um, I, I feel like he didn't get much help at all. Uh, so I, I'm really ha- I think Keyshawn Vaughn is going to be a starter in the NFL. Uh, I really do, and I think he's going to find his way into that role. Maybe he's not going to be a, ever be a top five fantasy running back, but he's going to be one of those guys um, that's 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 very reliable. Um, that uh, you know that that'll always kind of do it for you. So um, I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of who's the uh, the the Bengal old Bengals running back, uh, Rudy Johnson. That I think he's going to be that kind of fantasy player, right? We're just like productive, but you're like this guy's not great. He's not he's not he's not perfect, but just every year he just keeps putting up fantasy numbers, and you just, you just have to draft him. 
Hey now, I'm not going to sit here and have you on my podcast and listen to you disparage the good damn name of Rudy Johnson. <laughs> Ru- no, I was, I was no, no I, 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 I'm joking, <laughs> but, but Rudy Johnson did have a couple of years there where he was a borderline RB1, but I, I, I make this joke, but I want, I want you guys, the listeners, to remember that name, Keyshawn Vaughn. Now, none of us uh, have listened or watched as much about guys like Keyshawn Vaughn as Shane here or last week's guest, Garrett. That's two guests in a row that have said, hey, keep an eye on Keyshawn Vaughn, and th- th- that's a big one for me. We call that a writer downer here on the Dynasty War Zone, so I'm writing that name down. Now, I've still got an eye on, on Josh Kelly. I've still got an eye on LaMichael P. Ryan, probably going to wind up as committee backs, uh, guys that are probably an injury away from being an injury away, but that's cool. Uh, I will throw those guys on the back end. So, so let's jump into these uh, wide receivers, and let's just get right into it. Team Judy or Team Lamb? What you got? It's it's like trying to pick your your favorite twin uh, child, you know? Uh, like 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 who? <laughs> which one? Which one looks a little bit better? Um, you know, I I I think I'm on Team Lamb uh, now. I feel like every every week, if I go back, if I ever go back and watch film of these guys, right? I always try to go back and rewatch games or watch different games that I haven't watched, especially the top players. The then like I convinced myself to go the other way and I'll like, I'll, I'll switch the ranking for now. But um, you know, I think CD lamb to me is just more of a uh, all around weapon. Um, I, I think he, he is so skilled. Both guys are super skilled in route running, but uh, you know, I, I think lamb is going to be a little more dangerous after the catch and it's going to be harder to, to stop um, if, if you don't jam on the line. You know, I think Judy maybe is going to have a little better release and um but but i also think he's not going to be super dynamic with the ball in his hands like lamb can be um so to me look to me it's going to come down to situation it's going to come down to when do they go i think both are going to go right near each other so they're probably going down to who has a better quarterback who has a better offense um but uh, I'm, I'm leaning lamb and uh I, I, today <laughs> maybe not tomorrow <laughs> So, so what you're saying is, as much like the conversation we had with Swift and Taylor, this could very much be landing spot dependent. If one gets, say, to, I don't know, the Eagles, obviously they need a wide receiver in a bad way there in Philadelphia, and one lands in a, in a more crowded you know, wide receiver room. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of one top of my head. But th- that could be a tiebreaker for you. They're that close. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's definitely going to be the tiebreaker for me. Like I, I can say without a doubt right now, if bo- both go in the first round, um, it's just going to come down to it's going to come down to what the better situation is. And you know, heck, you know, I, I'll even say there's a possibility neither end up being the wide receiver one for me to draft. Like there's there's so many good receivers. Uh, there's there's probably three other guys that if they end up going in a better situation you might be able to convince me to pick them above these two so um I'll I'll even throw that out there I I don't know as much as we have them as the top two right now a I don't know if they're going to be the top two drafted in the NFL uh I don't think that's guaranteed and and two I think that when you look at, at Henry Ruggs and T Higgins and Justin Jefferson I think you have three players that if they go in the first round and they go to really good situations I think it's going to be hard to uh to say that you, you can't take them as the wide receiver one. So um, I think I think this wide receiver class is so good at the top. I'll put Laviska in there too. You know, I, I think um, I, I think there's a lot of possibilities when we look back at this in May and start actually actually drafting. 
Well, you mentioned LaVisca. I'll get to him in a second, but I, I want to get to these next two guys. So we talked Lamb and Judy. Let, let, let's get into Jalen Rager and T. Higgins. Now, this is a very contra- very contrasting physical style. You know, you got Jalen Rager, who is five foot eleven, 195 pounds. Uh, I don't want to say built very similar, but, but looks similar to a Tyreek Hill to me. And then you have the six foot four, 215 pound. And again, I, I hate to draw comps earlier because I'm just doing it from like a height and a weight standpoint, which kind of makes me think AJ, uh, AJ Green. You know, that, that taller, lankier type wide receiver. Uh, which one of these two do, do you prefer? Do you prefer the short, really, really fast guy? Or do you prefer the, the big-bodied, uh, you know, boundary type wide receiver? I, I, I am definitely a lot higher on T. Higgins. Um, I actually have Jalen Rieger outside my top ten. Uh, I'm not a, a Jalen Rieger fan. I know there are a lot of people that, that love him. And, um, and I, you know, a guy can understand um, but to, to me, I think T Higgins has that full package. I, I think, I don't think AJ green comparison is, is bad. Like I maybe we can go back to, uh, to, uh, Walmart, uh, Walmart, AJ green for, for T Higgins. Like, I, I think that is a fair comparison because you have a player that has that speed, has that size, knows how to use his size and knows how to use his hands to catch balls. And, and I'll say this at, at Clemson, you know how to catch. They will teach you how to catch the football. And I can't tell you how many schools, how many players, I'm sure you've been through the same thing and people out there watching receivers in college definitely go through the same thing. Guys who just don't know how to catch the freaking football and that's your job. Like they're cradling it in their body. They don't know how to actually see the football in time to use their hands to catch it outside of their body. Um, and, and Clemson, always, um, always really successful at that. Even, even a guy like Deion Kane, who has not had a, a successful NFL career, um, that's the one thing he did really well. <laughs> like, he could catch the football really well. Maybe he won't get separation, even with his athletic ability. But T. Higgins has all those things and can catch the ball really well, knows how to high point. He knows how to box people out. Like, I like that really well. For me, Jalen Rieger, um, I, I think, is going to really struggle in the NFL getting off the line of scrimmage. I think he's going to struggle in the NFL – of actually beating safeties deep. Like he has that speed um, and he has some of that deep speed, but I, I, I don't think he's as, um, as I don't say athletic, but I don't think he's, I don't think he gets up to that full speed uh, as quickly as a Tyree killer, as quickly as a Marquise Brown last year. Um, I, I think there's some downside with him where if um, he, he's not going to just like straight out burn you, when he's playing against NFL corners, when he played against good cornerbacks, you know, they, they handled him and they could handle him well. And maybe he'll beat you deep once, but you know, I almost, I almost think maybe he's more of a, a Michael Hardman, you know, type of player that that's, that's raw and has these physical talents. And you can use them in some, some smart ways, but I don't think he, Jalen Rieger is ever going to be the guy. And to me, and it's such a good receiver class that, that makes me knock him down. I'd rather have a KJ Hamler than a Jalen Rieger if you want raw speed. So what you're saying is you feel like you can get a very similar guy at a cheaper price later in your rookie draft. Is that fair? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think Rieger's going to be a guy I don't have a lot of because there's so many analysts out there that are high on him. That's going to influence a lot of people. This receiver class is deep. I, I'm definitely going to lean, you know, quarterback and running back heavy and uh, kind of clean up on value. Uh, I like it. So, all right, I'm going to hit you with one more underclassman, then I want to talk some seniors. 
Laviscus Chenault, you mentioned Laviscus Chenault Jr. to be technical. We don't want to be talking about his father. Um, Laviscus Chenault, what's your take on him? I know he had a couple of injuries in college. G- give me the, the rundown. Um, we've not talked a lot about him here. Currently got him somewhere around five-ish. Like I, I don't really do rankings until post-combine. Uh, I jokingly say this time last year, a lot of people, Jerry, had guys like Hakeem, <laughs> guys like Hakeem Butler and Kelvin Harmon toward the top of their draft board, and then the the combine just came along. And then if that <laughs> if that didn't submarine it enough, the uh, the NFL draft did. So so give me give me your take on Laviscus. I really I, I like him. I think he's one of those players that you watch and you see from a size, weight, speed, athleticism, quickness how he can use his body, his body control, phenomenal. You know, you see all kind of all these individual elements that if I would put on a scouting report, you would say this this guy's this guy's the next Julio Jones. Like he has that type of that type of scouting report from a physical perspective. And then you know you watch him play and there are games where he just uses that to its full extent. I think last year more so than this year, where he just utilized um, his his skill and his talent to its fullest extent and dominated. You know, once again, on a team in Colorado, uh, Steve Montez maybe will be drafted the quarterback there, but you know, it isn't isn't phenomenal. And so, you know, he would absolutely dominate some top tier corners and some some good teams. This year, I, maybe it was injury, uh, which definitely could be. I thought there were games where he looked lost. Um, Oregon was probably the big one. You know, that, that was probably the, one of the first ones I went to, right? I want to watch the guys against the top five team. And he had a couple good catches, but uh, he, he got dominated at the line of scrimmage. He never really broke away on uh, corners. He had a lot of trouble in zone coverage, finding holes in the zone. You know, I, I, I didn't come away impressed. Um, he, he's not someone that, you know, after the catch, something I thought he was really good at uh, last year as a sophomore didn't do so well this year you know only had four touchdowns and and like you said it may have been the injuries that slowed him down but man I, I I really was disappointed but the upside is there so I think someone's going to take him early uh, first round top of the second I think a team's going to take him early and I think kind of like our uh, Josh Love dis- or Jordan Love discussion excuse me I think LaVisca is a player who has tremendous upside he could he could DK Matt Caffett he could kind of be that player this year that I'm like, eh, I don't know, but the physical talent is there that uh, comes through and absolutely dominates because he has that ability and has the right coaching and situation. So uh, to me, he's going to be situation dependent. And, and the, the injuries scare me a little bit too, because when you see a player that gets hurt and it really affects their performance, uh, sometimes it can be good. So you can say, hey, they don't get hurt. They're going to be really good at the same time. You're probably going to have injuries in a 16, heck, maybe 17 game schedule coming up. Uh, that that that's that's you're gonna be injured all the time, and you got to be able to play through it. No, and I, I think we're we, we we're tonight we're building our these guys could go any way team. Jordan loves our quarterback. Cam Akers is our running back, and now Lavisca Chenault is our wide receiver. These guys could be all pros in three years, or these guys could probably be out of the league in three years. We really don't know. So we're going to continue to monitor those situations. I, I really appreciate that answer because it was very fair. All right, so in the essence of time, uh, I, I want to hit you with, with a Senior Bowl version of Keep Trade Cut, which is just a derivative of Mary Blank Kill. But we're going to play Keep Trade Cut with the following three guys from the Senior Bowl. We're going to go Denzel Mims, 
Michael Pittman and my man Van Jefferson. Keep Ooh. trade keep trade cut. Oh my goodness. That, that that's tough. I, <laughs> I I like I like all three players. I I will I will keep Michael Pittman. I will um trade I'll trade Denzel Mims. I'll cut Van Jefferson. I'll I'll, I'll cut your boy uh, on you here, <laughs> man. But I'll like all all three are good. I, I'm you know I'm not knocking any of them. I I think Michael Pittman. Uh, I think he's heavily underrated still. You know, with the, the Senior Bowl, you had so many you had so many good receivers because this class is so good. I think in, in a different class, Michael Pittman would be talked about a lot more. You know, usually a, a USC wide receiver gets a, a little more publicity, but you know he was playing with. You know, with with some tough tough quarterbacks, guys coming in and out with with, with Kadon Slavis and you know JT got hurt, but go. I mean, he got hot at the end of the year. Like he got better as the year went on. He dominated Utah, a, a, a team that was really really good. And then late in the year, you know, he just got super hot. And here's he's a player that I think does everything really well. Is such a good route runner, such good hands. He's super strong. He's, he's tough. You, you can't jam him at the line. And I feel like I could talk about any of these three guys and say very similar things, though. You know, I think Denzel Mims has some of that. I think Ben Jefferson has some of that. You know, I, I give the edge, I think, to Pittman just because of, you know, that he played well against really good corners and really good teams. I thought uh, Mims was kind of in and out. And I think that system definitely helped him get a little bit more open, especially in the end zone than is going to happen in the NFL. But, yeah, hey, look, we, we see teams nowadays, man, do a ton of things to get guys open. Denzel Mims could be successful with that. But he also willowed a lot when the team was very productive and, you know, had some, like, games where he kind of disappeared. And I think Van Jefferson, he's actually a player I drafted as a Devi when he was at Ole Miss after his freshman year. I, I've drafted him before. And so I've kind of been pushing for him to, um, to be really good. And honestly, when, when Kyle Trask took over, I think we saw him improve, but uh, there's just, there's just, uh, there's such limited uh, kind of tape to me on him getting the ball. And, and so I think he's more of a question mark after the good senior bowl. I think all three guys could end up being really good. And I think that shows you the depth of this class too. Well, I, I agree. And we, it would be a lot more fun if we disagreed. It could be a lot more debate, but we, what we don't. The reason why I put Michael Pittman ahead of the other two is because he's a willing blocker and he enjoys blocking. And one of the, the reports and write-ups I read, it said, defensive backs, look out because this guy is going to enjoy smashing you. And if you know, if you've learned anything, whether it's running backs or wide receivers or tight ends, if you're a willing blocker, in any capacity, you're going to earn the trust of the quarterback and the coach very quickly, which will get you on the field quickly, which will get you just scoring fantasy football points quickly. So the fact that he's a willing blocker, uh, I, I will just say this for Van Jefferson. If if he goes on day one or two, he will be on just about every single roster that I own in Dynasty. That's that's the, <laughs> the, 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 the telltale sign. He's a little bit older. He'll be 24 before he plays an NFL snap. Don't care. I like these good route runners. I like these older prospects. I've had tremendous success with them in Dynasty to date, whether it be Cooper Cup or Terry McLaren. It doesn't bother me. I know they say, well, he's 24. Cool. What's the worst case scenario? He hits and I get five or six good years out of him as opposed to 10? Darn. I'll look for the next one in a couple of years. And then Denzel Mims, you mentioned it as well as other draft reports I've read. The word lazy 
and uh, taking some plays off comes up. I, I do not like that, but I think his name would generate buzz. I, I would love to talk about a lot more of these guys from the Senior Bowl, but in the essence of time, uh, because it's one of my favorite formats, and the league that you and I played in together, it was a two stardom two tight end premium league which makes it very i see you shaking your head the the the, 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 the so listeners hard. yeah the listeners can't see it because they're not on the the video chat with you but uh, starting two tight ends at a tight end premium league is tough mister but uh i, I want to get into some of these guys so just real quick cole Komet from notre dame thaddeus moss son of randy moss from lsu and then a couple of the guys we saw at the Senior Bowl, whether it was Bryson Hopkins or Adam Troutman. Give me a, give me some quick uh, tidbits on all four of these guys, and which one of these four will you want to take away in that big tight end scoring premium league? Look, I, I think tight end's tough. I think it's tough uh, this year. I, I don't. I think they're all talented in different ways, and there's going to be some diamonds in the rough, uh, which I think kind of makes it fun. Uh, I, I have Bryson Hopkins as my number one tight end in the class. I'm not saying he's going to go number one. He probably won't. But watching him at the Senior Bowl, you know, he won practice player um, of the week, I, I believe, for his team or a matchup, matchup of the week. I think he, he, um, he won. You know, he's a player that kind of has ev- a little bit of everything. He can block. He's not great at it. He's, uh, we'll get to Cole Komet. He's not Cole Komet at it. But, you know, Hopkins can block. He, he's athletic enough that he can uh, find a way to get open. You know, he's, I think, the player that I look at and I say, this guy could develop into a stud tight end. And I'm not sure that I see that with the other players. You know, when you look at the Travis Kelseys and the Zacherts and the George Kittles, guys that can do everything really well, have to do everything really well, I think Hopkins could be that guy. So I have him number one. I think Cole Komet is solid. He, he kind of is uninspiring to me. But that's not necessarily a bad thing at tight end. I feel like he's going to, you know, I don't want to make another Notre Dame comparison, kind of Kyle Rudolph it, you know, where, like, he's going to block a lot. He, he'll, he'll make some nice red zone catches. But you're never like, ah, this guy's dominating you. You know, he, he's, he's someone you got to watch out for. I don't think he's ever going to be that player. So I think he could go in the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, but I think we've seen a lot of tight ends that go in the first round be like, eh, you know, they, they kind of do everything well, but they're not going to dominate. Whereas, you know, I, I think um, Thaddeus Moss, I have a little bit lower. He kind of came on a little bit late, but he has that big athletic profile. He can almost be kind of the slot receiver type tight end that is like really nice for fantasy sometimes, but maybe uh, to a team isn't as important for them. So I think he's very raw. Uh, and I think, you know, at, at LSU, the, the plan was not to have him be as productive as he was. He wasn't even supposed to start at tight end. So I think there's a long way for him to go. So he might be one of those players. I'm probably not going to draft him, but give me give me a year or two and let me uh, let me trade for him when he doesn't do anything and see what happens. And then I, I love Adam Troutman. He's my number three tight end in this class. I think, I think he uh, – I was really anxious to see him at the Senior Bowl because like, this could be bad. I've been to the Senior Bowl. I've seen guys from small schools come out and suck. All right, I've seen them be really bad, and I've seen them be really good. And Troutman, uh, I thought dominated down there, and so I, th- I think he's legitimate. I mean, he's a player. I'm here in Pittsburgh, and that uh, people are already talking about. They want him. Like they, they, they want the Steelers to take him. And I think this is a, this is a guy that is going to be a future starter. And the upside, the upside's out there. So I think there's big downside, but uh, big upside with him. All right. Well, listen, I, I love it. I am. 
I, I would I agreed with the Kyle Rudolph. You said that and I just started shaking my head up and down. Cole Komet <laughs> is is so Kyle Rudolph. I, I don't think we'll see a, a TJ Hawkinson or even an Irv Smith. I was really high on Irv Smith coming out. I think if if there's an Irv Smith in this draft for me, it might be Thaddeus Moss. Um, similar size SEC guy, but we'll see. The, the NFL will tell us a lot about these guys once they get past the combine and where they're taken. So Shane, before I let you uh, wrap it up and tell the, the listener where they can find you and what you're doing, tell me the one guy. Now, it, it, this could be very easy for you with all those picks that you have, but but tell me the one guy that you will not be leaving rookie drafts without. Maybe that guy that's not a first-rounder, uh, maybe a guy that's like a late first rounder, early to mid second, that that you're a big fan of, that you may reach and take a half round early. Uh, it, it is an easy one for me. It's a player I've been watching since since they were freshmen, and I look. I, I don't think they're going to go super high in the NFL draft. I think I'm going to get them in the third round of rookie drafts. But it's James Robinson, running back from Illinois State, who should have been at the Senior Bowl. I I am upset. Like I'm going to write a letter uh, to the Senior Bowl. He should have been there over yeah, some, some of the, the freaking running backs over there. But uh, he's one of the best small school running backs I've seen, probably the best one I've seen since, since David Johnson. And, uh, you know, I, I'm excited to see at the Combine how he does. Uh, you know, he's not a burner, but he kind of has that all-around talent that David Johnson had. He catch the football. He, you know, dominated for four years, uh, you know, at a small school and a, a school that plays good competition. He's he's really shifty, great field vision. You know, he's a player that I think is going to rise up, up, up. So you know, I I, I kind of hope he goes to a, a bad situation or people don't talk about him. I can just snatch him up at the end of drafts and stash him on a taxi because I think this is going to be that small school player that uh, running back that ends up being being a star in the NFL. Well, I, I'm about ninety percent sure you brought this name up last year. When when yes. when you were on, this is a guy that you've been very high on because I have that name in my notes. Remember, I just don't call him Rider Downers. I actually <laughs> use the Rider Downer, and I re- I remember that name coming from you. So listen, man, what's going on over at FakePigskin.com, and and what's going on with you? Yeah, check out FakePigskin.com. You know, I'll I will end up having my seven round mock draft up there. Uh, I do a full seven round mock draft. I'll have my top one hundred. Uh, you know, I compete in in the uh the in contests with those so ultimately we're doing some good work uh, you know i'm kind of helping with the team that's uh writing all the scouting reports and we're getting all those up i'm, I'm doing some other work for some other sites too draftsite.com i actually have this is the first time i've done this but i actually have a seven round 2021 mock draft up at draftsite.com right now i have a seven round 2022 mock draft up and i have a one round 2023 mock draft which will be a set my goal is to have a seven rounder done by the NFL draft for 2023. So I've been watching the high school tape because I have high school players in this mock. So if you, you want, you want Debbie, uh, here's your list, you know, and I continue to update it as I watch more, you know, I'm kind of putting it off a little bit to, to do the NFL draft stuff, but I have a lot of 2023 guys I'll be watching. So if you want to see Debbie guys, you want to see who you need on your list, you can start watching now or right, right after the draft in May. Um, I have them up there. So that's exciting. Uh, and, and I'm uh, also writing for SteelCityInsider.com. If you're a Steelers fan, I started writing for them and doing some Steelers NFL draft work. So it's, uh, it's a bit busy time, but I'm having fun. Well, a little behind the scenes, a little inside baseball, if you will. Uh, normally, I write a show sheet for every show. And this is just Shane and I talking. This is just two guys talking. <laughs> every one of these questions I hit him with, he had no, t- he had no time to prepare. He had no time to study. Everything that he just gave us, all of that goodness, 
was 100% from the top of his head, and that just tells you how much this guy really knows. And I'm not going to brag on him, but I'm going to brag on him a little bit. If you go into your search engine on your podcast player and search and search Shane Hallam, Dynasty Warzone, go back and find him from last year's edition. This guy absolutely cleaned up. He's a great follow, at Shane P. Hallam on Twitter. Check him out at Fake Pigskin. And uh, we'll get Jerry back next week. He was a little hungover from the Super Bowl, but it's all right. Shane and I are here just talking 2020. Yeah, man, 2020 rookies. We'll get Shane back on again. Uh, I'm going to coordinate a mock draft here in, in a week or two. We'll try to get all the yahoos that we just had, plus Jerry and I. I think if we can get Shane back, if we can get Garrett back and Nick and Kane back, man, we can put on a heck of a, of a two-round Superflex tight end premium mock draft for you guys. So, but on behalf of Shane, I am Memphis. And remember, here at the Dynasty War Zone, we're just trying to make the world a better place for fantasy football. We'll see you right back here next week. Thanks, guys. Now, I know people like you used to taking from people like me. But there comes a point when people like me can't take any more taking. Now, all the things you've done, the way you've built your fortunes, it might make you criminals but it don't make you outlaws. I am the outlaw. And this is my world. And my world has a high cost of living. This is the Dynasty Warzone. The People's Dynasty Podcast, and here are your hosts, Memphis at DFF Memphis and Jerry at Jerry Sin DFF.